Look upon my short fingers, ye mighty, and despair. By Graydon Carter The now commonly accepted fact that Republican strongman Donald Trump is short-fingered began as nothing more than a juvenile description ginned up decades ago by a satirical magazine editor desperately rooting around for a clever epithet. That it has taken on such a vibrant role in the presidential circus is more worrisome than it is gratifying. The full epithet back then was short-fingered vulgarian. Trump has made a valiant, if unsuccessful, effort to counter the first part of that description, but even he knows that he doesn't stand a chance of reversing the now global realization that he is a vulgarian. It's a word that aptly describes his outlook, his taste, his appearance, his vocabulary, and his hate-fueling rallies. This is the word that should stick. There is a school of thought that says that Trump's entire candidacy has been an attempt to ensure that in Washington, at least, his reputation won't be forever defined by that night in 2011 at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, during the whole contrived birther controversy. When host Seth Meyers dismantled his pompous, gilded facade, layer by layer. Like many baby boomers now coming to the end of their professional innings, Trump is no doubt thinking about his legacy, just as President Obama is no doubt thinking about his, and Presidents Clinton and Bush thought about theirs in the waning months of their administrations. At this point, there is not much any of them can do about history's often cruel verdict. Even a Trump nomination to carry the Republican banner into the election will, I suspect, do little to reverse the general opinion that he is vulgar to the core. And the poor fellow will still be left with those tiny hands and fingers. As contributing editor Michael Kinsley writes in From Here to Eternity, legacy is fast becoming the last great battleground of the baby boom generation. The members of this vast group have been competing for everything all their lives, for toys, for grades, for sex, for money. They are competing today for longevity and cognition, fighting to keep their flat stomachs and their marbles for as long as possible. But at some point they will all lose, after which the only thing left will be reputation. If you want a good one, you'd better start doing something about it now, Kinsley warns, because there's not much you can do about it when you're gone. It's a tricky thing, reputation. Most of us will have to settle for a reputation recalled largely by the circle of family and friends that surrounds us now. The wealthier can increase their audience of rememberers considerably through naming rights and philanthropy. Bequeathing generously to your survivors doesn't hurt. But even the grandest of these gestures is more ephemeral than you might think. You remember that the Great Pyramid was built by Cheops. Ah, but who built the other two nearby? I don't know either, but given the state of the Egyptian economy, naming rights are probably not out of the question. Like Donald Trump, Al Sharpton was a figure born out of the thrown-together cauldron that was 80s New York. As with Trump, the mere mention of Sharpton's name evokes a passionate reaction. But amid the current maelstrom of race relations, the contentious Reverend, as he is unfailingly referred to, has arguably become the most influential civil rights leader in America today. Sharpton has shed half his body weight and yet, in some eyes, has only waxed in gravitas, morphing from irresponsible provocateur 
to something approaching a voice of reason, with a spot next to Obama on the podium. In Al Sharpton Revisited Contributing editor Susanna Andrews meets the man who is still battling a generation's distrust after the infamous 1987 Tawana Brawley scandal squandered his credibility, one might have thought, forever. Brawley accused six white men of rape, an allegation that quickly fell apart and led to defamation judgments against the accuser and her advisors, prominently including Sharpton. His rise to influence is as remarkable as it is improbable. From boyhood preacher, to James Brown protege, to chattering nabob of cable TV, he is freer to speak out on civil rights issues than any White House occupant may ever be. Despite his political prominence, Sharpton remains a third rail in the racial politics of this country, Andrews writes.